0: We're gonna to cover today the fifth Sicha on the Parsha of Mishpatim, which is this week's Parsha, in it comes from Lakute Sikhos, published of the Rebbe's Talks, in volume sixteen. Now, this is a very interesting what we call a Rashi Sikha. First of all, it was said in Parsha Mishpatim in nineteen sixty five. Um and its interest, or maybe even already sixty six, and that year after the Rebbe's mother passed away, right before Yom, few days before Yom Kippur, the Rebbe made a commitment that year to every single Shabbos to make a Fabrangan, which means that there was no more Shabbos shlufs that didn't exist anymore, and every Shabbos was a farbringen, and every Shabbos he analyzed a one Rashi from the parsha. Now, what's interesting is, is today. We're going to talk about one Rashi that the Rebbe opens our eyes to this Rashi, a fascinating Rashi. And the truth is that Rashi actually only says two words on a certain word of today's Parsha. And the Rebbe will analyze and help us by digging a little bit to understand why Rashi takes a word of the Torah out of its context and, and tells you that that word actually means something else. Where did Rashi get this whole idea from and how to interpret a word like that and why we're actually, it makes total logical sense that to follow that way of thinking and how to interpret a certain word. But before we're going to go into that word, I want to give a little bit of a background to what's going on here in the Parsha so you can appreciate what's happening. It's very interesting that last week's Parsha and this week's Parsha are connected and for the following reasons. Because we, we, we cover the subject of the giving of the Torah. Last week we actually read the Ten Commandments when God came down on the on the Mount Sinai and he delivers the, the Ten Commandments. In continuation of last week's Parsha and in this week's parsha, many more commandments now start to come to the forefront, God starts teaching it to Moses. And as a matter of fact, after the giving of the Ten Commandments, we're going to soon see today that God tells Moshe, "Now, please come up to heaven for forty days and forty nights. Let me teach you the laws. I'm going to teach you the Torah, and I'm going to create for you the st- the stone of the ten that's going to have engraved in it the Ten uh, Commandments. And you're going to take this the, the, the tablets and bring it down." On Mount Sinai. Now, what's very interesting is, and I would like to, um, what's the right word, Um, to un un, to reveal a, a, a wrong myth that a lot of people learn of what happened on the holiday of Shavuos by the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. A lie. It is kind of an idea that we have to really unwind it and take it out of our head because that's not the way it happened. And we're going to tell, show, we're going to talk about how it actually happened. So let's go back first chronologically in the time of of the year. Of what year it happened from the creation of the world? So the Jews were in Egypt for two hundred and ten years. Finally, in the year two four four eight, okay. So the. The Torah was given in that year 2448. So we leave Egypt in the year 2448 in the month of Nisan, the night going into the 15th day of the month, the full moon. Hashem tells us, prepare yourself to come to the Mount Sinai. And when you're going to come to Mount Sinai over there, I'm going to give you the laws that I want to give you as a people. You're now finally your own independent people. You're now a nation. I'm going to give you the Torah, prepare yourself for 49 days, the 49 days of the Omer. On the 50th day, it's called the holiday of Shavuos. Shavuos means weeks. Four, seven times seven brings us to 49 days. On the 50th day, after the seven weeks pass, we receive the Torah. But what do we receive actually? On the day when Moses came on to, was on top of Mount Sinai and God came down, with all his glory to speak to us, came down in a fiery uh, smoke, which we're gonna talk about soon. But the actual announcement of the Ten Commandments happens there on the mountain. Two, the first two, God delivers, then we can't handle it. We asked Moshe to pass it down and we hear it through Moses because we couldn't handle all that revelation. But the actual box of the tablets, the engraved Ten Commandments, did not happen on the holiday of Shavuos. It's fascinating. All the pictures that everybody makes come to hear the Ten Commandments of Shavuos. People always make, including us, we always make the picture of the the tablets. But the tablets did not come down on that day of the holiday of Shavuos. What happened is, and it's very interesting, by the way, because the Torah is not chronological. It does not write its story out in a chronological order. So you have to pick up the pieces in different places. Mainly what happened at Mount Sinai was, is in last week's Parsha and recorded in this week's Parsha. At the end of today's Parsha, there are four verses that talks about what happened after the Ten Commandments, which was on the sixth day of Sivan. So again, we leave Egypt, the 15th day of the month of Nisan, you go forward to the next month, 15th day of Iyar, and then you go another, um, uh, two more weeks to the Rosh Chodesh Sivan. We prepare six days, for five days really, and on the sixth day of Sivan is the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. On the seventh day of the month of Sivan, Okay. At that day, this is what it says in these four verses that we're going to talk about today of what happened. Moshe El Moses went up on the mountain, and the mountain was covered in a cloud. Okay. Important. If you could uh, draw, uh, you know, write this down. It will help to understand the talk. So again, Moshe goes up on the mountain. The mountain is covered with a cloud. Next verse. The glory of God rested on Mount Sinai and the cloud of the glory of God covers is covered with a cloud for six days. Now, then God calls out to Moses on the seventh day from... The cloud, God calls out to Moses. That's the second of these four verses. It's all in the Mafter Aliyah, the last four verses. Verse three of these these four verses says, and the glory of God was revealed like a consuming fire, like a fire that consumes, that eats up, that burns up, burns whatever the fire is holding on to. The glory of God was like a a consuming fire at the top of the mountain to the view in the eyesight of all Jews that were standing at the bottom by the mountain. That's the third verse. The fourth verse, the final verse of today's Parsha says, God had told him in in the second of the four verses, God said to him, come up. Right, God sent him on the seventh day from the cloud. So now, Moshe, in the last verse, by Yavo Moshe, Moshe came up in the cloud, and he goes up the mountain. And how long was Moses on the top of the mountain? From when he went up into the cloud, forty days and forty nights. Now, before we go into the actual talk with Rashi, I just want to give us a little bit of a background so we can appreciate the, the, the timing and what does it mean that Moses went up to the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. So again, the, the simple understanding is six days, the cloud of God, the glory of God is on top, hovering on top of the mountain. On the sixth day is the revelation of the giving of the Torah, of the giving of the Ten Commandments, On the seventh day, God says, "Moshe, come up for forty days and forty nights." What is the reason for him to come up? Because God wants to give him the actual tablets engraved in stone, and during that forty days, God's going to teach him the laws of the Torah. Because all, what did we have till now? Before even the holiday of Shavuos, when God comes onto the Mount Sinai, what did we have? We only had a couple of commandments that the Jews had when we came the first stop after we left Egypt, we were in a city of Mara. So in Mara, we got a couple of mitzvahs, including we got the mitzvah of the, uh, we, we got the mitzvah of the Parah Adumah, the red heifer. We got the mitzvah of Shabbos, because when we started getting the do, so we needed to, so God gave us the, the details about the mitzvah of Shabbos, not to carry outside and, uh, and not to work on Shabbos, a couple details about Shabbos. But we had very few mitzvahs. So after the Ten Commandments were given, Hashem tells Moshe, come up for 40 days and 40 nights and I'm going to teach you the whole Torah. Now, Moses comes down with the tablets 40 days later. So from the seventh day of Sivan, go to the seventh day of Tammuz. The next month, that's 30 days. Count 10 more days, the 17th of Tammuz. Moses comes down on the mountain and what does he see? Jews are sinning with the golden calf. He takes the two tablets and he throws them down and they break. That's one of the five reasons, by the way, why we fast on the 17th of Tammuz. It's the beginning of the three weeks that leads to Tisha B'Av. But that's one of the tragic things that happened on the 17th of Tammuz, Moses breaking the tablets. Now on the next day, Moshe goes back up for another 40 days and 40 nights, a second time, and he prays to God to please forgive the Jews. Because God says, sin of the golden calf, they turned their backs on me, I'm going to erase all these Jewish people off the earth. Moses puts up his whole argument with God, if you kill them, man, take my name out of your book, and so on. And Hashem doesn't want to do that, and he forgives us, and he atones us with with the half a shekel, and so on. Moses comes back down after 40 days and he tells us that we are forgiven. Now Hashem says, come back up a third time, Rosh Chodesh Elo, come back up a third time for 40 days and 40 nights and I'm going to give you a second, you should engrave the second set of tablets. I'm going to teach you the Torah with the oral Torah and all the traditions and everything of all the mitzvahs and detail, detail. Moshe comes down 40 days later from Rosh Chodesh El to Rosh Chodesh Tishrei is 30 days. Rosh Hashanah is Rosh Chodesh Tishrei. 10 days later is 40 days. That's Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur, Moses comes down with the second set of tablets. By the way, right after Yom Kippur, he starts to teach us the Torah. That's why Simcha's Torah is is the holiday right after Yom Kippur. The end of Sukkot, it's not practical to make Simchas Torah in the beginning of Sukkot. So the last day of Sukkot is Simchas Torah because we're joining where it's not Simchas Torah from Shavuos when we got the Ten Commandments. It's when we got the entire rest of the Torah it's from the second set of tablets. So that's just a little bit of, of the picture of there. But now to get into a little bit of some of the details in what happened and how it looked when Moshe went up to the top of the mountain. So here in the last verse of today's parsha. The verse says like this. Let's recap this. Moshe <speaking in Hebrew> Moshe came within the cloud. <speaking in Hebrew> says Rashi, you know what it means inside the cloud? He came inside the cloud. It, this cloud was a different kind of cloud. This cloud was actually smoke. Kamin <speaking> ashen. <Hebrew> it was like, the, the exact words of Rashi is kamin <speaking> <Hebrew> It was like a smoke. Now, hold on a second. The Rebbe asks on this, it's totally not understood. What is Rashi telling us here? That the cloud that Moshe went into, Betoich Ha'anon, is like a smoky. It's like he went into like a cloud of smoke. What's, why is he saying that? Says, as the Rebbe says it's totally not understood. Think about it a second. A cloud and smoke are two completely different things. Everybody knows, how does a cloud made? Cloud is the moist from water, right? The water ascends and that's what turns into the cloud. That's what the cloud cloud is made from water. And the opposite is with smoke. Smoke is from fire. So what does it mean? In other words, where does Rashi get this idea from? How did Rashi come up with this novelty to say that it's not a cloud which is made from water, but it's fire, it's a smoke from fire? Where does he get such an idea from? Number two, why did Rashi have to say anything? We all know that Rashi is a rule. Rashi basically always gives us commentary if there's something that's not understood to at least a five-year-old kid that's learning Chumash. Which, by the way, doesn't mean five-year-old only, uh, only on age. It can mean five-year-old, you know, of learning Torah. But the point is that Rashi always said, he said this many times, he says, I my commentary is meant for a five-year-old person to understand. So the Rebbe is saying, one second, what happened? What's difficult here on the verse? It said, Moshe went up into the cloud. What's the problem with that verse? Why did Rashi have to come and give us any commentary? The fact that Rashi came to tell us a commentary that means that there's something difficult in the simple understanding of this verse and you will only get your answer if you learn the word cloud in this context to mean smoke. Well, what was so difficult here in this simple understanding? The Moshe went up into a cloud and it means cloud meaning a kind of smoke. So we have to understand what's the difficulty that we need Rashi. Now, Rashi adds a few more words. After he says it's smoke, he says another few words. He says that God made for Moses a shvil. A shvil means a pathway. Okay, If you were ever in 770, in the good days, I'm just using this analogy to understand what it means, a shvil, a path. So there were thousands of people in shul. But if the Rebbe came in, nobody wanted to push him. So miraculously, everybody split. And the Rebbe was able to walk through a path. That's what you call a shvil. I remember by the Rebbe's fabrengans, when I was a young a kid, when I got a little bit older, already there was no room in shul. But the Rebbe made a farbringin right in front of the Rebbe, a whole row in front of him. Nobody wanted to sit in front of him. It was uncomfortable to have the rebel look at you. You know, when he looked at you, you felt like he was looking through you. <laughs> so he didn't want to be right there. Right? So you move. So, the, but later years, as years were going on, there was just no more room. So finally one guy fell into the middle. Another guy fell into the middle, another guy and the whole middle got filled with people. But I'll tell you this, this little story. I remember once being outside 770. I don't remember what time of the year it was, but the Rebbe was going to come outside to bless the new moon called Kiddush Levana. And I was standing pretty close and I, st- I was standing right opposite his podium and we were waiting for him to come out. For the podium they would put in different places depending where the view is to see the moon. So I was standing there and right in front of his podium was empty. And I said to somebody, why is it so empty? Or why doesn't nobody just stand there? So the guy said to me, an older, you know, so I don't know, probably 20, 30 year old guy. He said, you want to stand there? Go stand there. Because I'm not standing there, you could stand there. I didn't. Know, I had no idea what he meant. What's the problem to stand right across the podium? The Rebbe stand. You stand across him. What's the big deal? Great spot. So I stood there like this little, you know, innocent but ignorant kid. And the Rebbe comes out, stands at the podium. He looks straight into his sitter, and then at one point. He picks up his eyes because in the middle you're supposed to turn to three people and you say shalom aleichem and somebody answers you aleichem shalom. See, he picked up his head and he looked at me for maybe a split second, and his eyes went right through me, and I somehow disappeared from there. I don't know how that happened, but I wasn't there anymore. But I, I understood what it means—a path in front, you know, like like it was like. It was like a spiritual uncomfortableness, you know, to be just like that there, you know. So it was like so close to the fire, you know, so to speak. So that's a path. So Rashi says here, when Moshe came up and it was a smoke, when he says Moshe came into the cloud, meaning a smoke, God made a path for Moshe to walk through the smoke. Now, the Rebbe says, let's analyze this a bit. Let's understand. Like, you know, we got to learn and understand things. We can't just take things for granted. What, where is this idea come from? Where did Rashi get this idea? Did he also come up with this by himself? Where did he get this idea that Hashem made a path? So he says the source of this actually comes from the Talmud in Talmud Tractate Yuma. Over there it says that the Talmud asks a question. It says like this. Later on, when we, we had the, built the tabernacle, like the, you know, the portable uh, temple in the desert, so it says, Moses was not able to enter. At one point, it was the intensity of godliness in the temple was so intense that Moshe wasn't able to get into the tent to speak to Hashem because, it says, because the cloud was sitting on it. So the Talmud says, one second, What's What happened? when By the tabernacle, the cloud was there. Moshe could not enter. But what happened? In today's parasha, it says, Moshe went up the mountain. He went into the cloud. So what do you mean? Sometimes he could go into the cloud. Sometimes he can't go into the cloud. What's the difference? <laughs> it's the same words. Cloud, cloud. Here he could go. in. He can't go in. What's going on up here? So the Talmud says that the yeshiva, Rabbi Yishmael taught. They said, let's analyze the word going in into something. When it says the Hebrew word, betoch, going into something, Rabbi, this Yeshiva of Rabbi Yishmael said, we actually have a word going in somewhere else in the Torah. Let's understand what the word going in, inside means. Then you could understand what it means, going in something in our context. So they said like this, where do you have the word going in? It says the Jews, when they left Egypt, we came to the sea and we went Into the water. When the sea split, it says we went into the water. But one second, what what do you mean we went in? We all know the next verse says that the water split a wall on the right and a wall on the left of water. We went through dry land. We didn't actually go in water. We went between the water. But the verse actually says we went in the water. So the yeshiva, Rabbi Yishmael said, you have to understand what it means when it says in what it means in it means we went into a path that was between the water that's to, that's what it means when you say within you know you, right so it doesn't mean you 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 actually touched the water it means that there was a path in the water so you went through in the path so that seems to be the source of rashi when he says the Moshe went into the cloud, there was a path. What does it mean? Where did he get the idea of a path? Because look, when it says within, we have the Talmud that says within could also mean that there was a path and that also de- helps you understand what it means within. But one second, the Rebbe says, if you're going to say that that's the source to Rashi, that we went into a path, he went in, the path was made in the cloud, was a path from because the Talmud says there's a contradiction from this story of the tabernacle where he couldn't go in and here he could go in it says one second that doesn't make sense we all know the rule that when you have a question from one place in the torah and another place in the torah when do you have a question when you go to the second source that contradicts the first you don't have a question on the first time it says it you only have a question the second time when it sounds different than the first so you have why is the second time different you have to explain it so but over here we don't have a question yet about something in four parshas, five parshas away from today coming up. So we don't have the can't be the Rashi's coming to explain that because then Rashi would explain this idea of what's within, mean, the path that would have been that would come only later. So we must come to the conclusion that how did Moshe go into the cloud? Meaning Hashem made for him a path. It does not mean because to help me understand the later on when it says he could not go into the place of meeting in the temple was because there was no path. You can't say that. It has to be that something here, something in our wording here, in our context, he went up on the mountain in the cloud, has to mean something that's going to help us to understand that there was a path. But if that's the case, that our context has to teach you that he went in a path. What's difficult is, we already had in last week's Parsha, when we started talking about the story of the, the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai, God, the Ten Commandments, then it says the Jews went, we, we got very full of fear because it was thunder and lightning. I'm mean, It says actually that the mountain itself trembled. So we got very scared. Moshe said to everybody, relax. Altira, don't be scared. And Moshe Moshe himself went to Arafel. What's Arafel? So Rashi said Arafel means that there was three curtains behind the mountain of Sinai. Like, you know, going up three, three curtains of separation. One is called darkness, the curtain of darkness. Moshe went in past the first curtain. He went past the second curtain called clouds. And then he went through the third curtain called a which Rashi says means a very thick cloud, like not just a regular cloud, a a really deep thickness of, of cloud. But over there, Rashi did not tell us anything in how he got through all three crowds, all three levels of curtains. So one second. The fact that in our case, a five-year-old kid never even entered his mind to ask a question, how did Moshe get through three curtains of levels? Darkness, clouds, and thick levels of cloud. Why did a kid, a five-year-old kid, not ask that question? Because every five-year-old kid has been with you up at the cottage, or even sometimes in Toronto, you could find that you see clouds on the street, a fog. And everybody knows you could walk through a fog. Or if you go on a plane, you go through the clouds. Big deal. That's why in last week's Parsha, no five-year-old kid has a problem with this idea that Moshe went through three layers of clouds. Big deal. So in our Parsha, What's so hard to understand that Moshe went through this cloud? What what did what do we need? Why did he have to tell us something else to explain to us what this cloud is? What's difficult about it that he went through this cloud? So to explain this is the following. There is a difficulty in the literal verses of today's Parsha. The, in, this, in other words, when the Rebbe asks this kind of question, like a simple question, he basically the answer means that it's also so simple. <laughs> but you have to, you know, look at you have to know how to read a text deep, but you also have to know first how to read a text simple. Before you get too sophisticated, you gotta know the simple text. So the simple text here, what happens is is the following, which which there's a question to the simple text. Let's go again over the four verses. Okay, the, I'm going to use numbers 1, 2, 3, 4. But really, in the, in the Chumash, it's actually verse 15, 16, 17, 18. But let's just, to make it easier, it's the Mafter Aliyah, the end of the Parsha today. And that's, these are the four verses. It says like this. First, the verse said, in verse 1 of these four, it says that the cloud covered the mountain. Okay? Again, a cloud covers the mountain. So what's understood? It's understood that when Moshe comes up to the mountain, what does he encounter? A cloud. The verse already said that there was a cloud on the mountain. But all of a sudden, the next verse, when it says, sorry, in the fourth verse, when it says, And Moshe came up into the mountain. He came up into a cloud. One second, you already said that there was a cloud. You said that there was a cloud on top of the mountain. Why do you have to tell me that Moshe came up into a cloud? He tell me he went up on the mountain. I know that there's a cloud. So why do you even have to tell me that he came up into a cloud? So that's a simple but strong question. In other words, the question is, it seems like the Torah is telling me extra words. Right? So from here is understood that when it says that he came into the cloud, the verse is telling you that this is a different cloud that was there already from before. Otherwise the Torah never speaks extra words. So if you tell me there's a cloud on the mountain, then you tell me three verses later Moshe came up into the cloud, you know now that it's got to be a different cloud. Otherwise you didn't have to tell me that he came into a cloud. If so, we have a question. What is this other cloud? A cloud's a cloud, no? So Rashi tells you, I'll tell you what the second cloud is. You should know the second cloud is a cloud like smoke, it's not a cloud like the conventional knowing idea of a cloud. When we speak about a regular cloud in the first verse, when it says that the Mount Sinai was covered with a cloud, what kind of cloud is that? Rashi doesn't have to tell you what kind of cloud that is because it's not a different than the normal cloud. You have no reason to interpret it that it's a different cloud. Actually, that's the regular cloud, the cloud of, of God's glory. Like we had already from the beginning of our time in the desert. How did the Jews know we're to move. What was our GPS system? Our God's positioning system, the GPS. What was that GPS? We had a cloud that led us by day and a fire that led us by night. There was a pillar, it says, of cloud that was, was in front of us and we knew to follow the cloud. By night, you can't see the cloud. So there was a fire pillar of fire. So, for well, the first time when it says that there was a cloud of God's glory on the mountain, it means simply a cloud. There's no logical reason to change that interpretation to mean anything else. But the second time where it's not necessary to tell me that there was a cloud, the fact that you repeated that there's a cloud, Moshe the cloud, ah, uh, must mean it's something else, a different kind of cloud. And Rashi says, you know what kind of cloud that is? It's a smoke, actually. Now, Okay, very nice of you, Rashi, to tell me that it must mean something else. Where did Rashi get that? come up with the idea that it's a, it's a smoke? Even that idea, to think that it's a smoky, a, a, you know, a cloud of smoke, as we say today, you know, from a fire. Where did Rashi get that? So the Rebbe says, let's analyze slowly again these four verses. When you learn chumash every day, chayenu chumash, learn it slow. Learn it relaxed, with a clear mind. By the way, you know, when the previous Rebbe came to America, so one of the big things that he was pushing for all Jewish day schools that had English in their curriculum, he said, if you really feel you must teach your kids uh, secular subjects, he was talking to people, obviously, that, that you know, questioned God's ability to give them their parnasa in other ways. So you, had, you felt like you had to have the secular education. But he said, at the bare minimum, teach Torah in the first half of the day and keep the English studies for the second half of the day. Why? So a kid should grow up knowing that what's the most important subject of life, Torah. And before your brain gets exhausted from your few hours of learning, it should be the Torah on your freshest of minds. So when you learn Chumash, that's the way it has to be. So he says, let's read these few verses slowly and you will all be able to come to the same conclusion as Rashi, or even though Rashi was this great scholar. 800, 900 years after Rashi, the Rev is analyzing this and helping us to show us how Rashi came up with the idea that what's the second time it says cloud, that's a cloud of smoke. Now again, the fact that Rashi had to tell us it's a different kind of cloud than the normal cloud, we understand because you wouldn't have, why do you have to have twice the same word cloud? We already know there was a cloud there. So we get that. Okay, convinced. But how does Rashi know that it was a smoke? So he says like this, in the, Second of these four verses, it says like this, the glory of God was on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered the mountain for six days. Then God calls out to Moshe on the seventh day from within the cloud, God's voice comes out. That's verse two. Then before it says, verse four and Moshe came up into the cloud, he listened to God, came up into the cloud, there's a third verse. What does the third verse say? That the glory of God was like a fire that consumes, that eats. It's a fire that, you know, eats its content. That, that fire was on the top of the mountain that everybody was able to see. It was in Le'enik B'nai Yisrael to the eyes of everybody was able to see it. Now, says the Rebbe, if you think, Slowly of these verses, it actually it doesn't make sense. This little bit of an order in the four verses, when it says that the glory of God was on top of the mountain, covering it for six days, and then God calls up Moshe on day seven. Why are you going back now to explain to me about what God's glory cloud was? That it's a it's a fire a, a cons- fire that consumes. You should have told me before God calls up Moshe onto the mountain, you should have told me that God God should explain what kind of glory he's talking about on this mountain. It should have said, verse 2 should have said, God's glory rests on the mountain. What kind of glory of God, the kind of fiery glory that is consumes things. Now, I know what kind of cloud it is, that it eats up, that, that it's a fiery, consuming fire. Now, Tell me Hashem calls Moshe up to the top of the mountain. But it doesn't say that. It says God calls up Moshe to the top of the mountain. Then you by the way, Side note. You want to know what kind of glory of God's on the mountain. It's a fire that consumes. Now let's go back to the story. And Moshe comes up to the top of the mountain. Why are you explaining to me. What kind of cloud is on top of the mountain. That it's a fiery consuming fire. After you already told me that Moshe God calls up Moshe. Basically, let's use like a simple analogy. Yeah, I tell you, I tell you, let's say you say, uh, you say, come to Shul, right? Come to Shul at this and this time, right? Shul is the place where God's presence is there. Now come, Hashem calls the person, Moshe, come up, come up. Now, by the way, let me just tell you a little bit about the Shul. You know, the shul, we have X amount of windows and a lot of sunlight comes in and the people there are nice. After there'll be a kiddish, whatever. Taught you, We're going to consume this kiddish, maybe. Whatever, you know. Now let me go back to the story and you actually come to the shul. To talk about the shul, you should talk about that in the beginning. When I tell you that the shul is a nice place, let me tell you why. And then come, please. And then you actually come. So that, in other words, the context about the fire God's glory being this consuming fire is in the wrong place in verses. Now, therefore, Rashi says, and if you think about it, it's a total logical way of understanding. There's no other real way how to understand this if you want to use logic here. The fact, Rashi comes to the conclusion that if it says three steps here, first it says the glory of God's on the mountain, okay? God calls Moshe up to the mountain. Now, let me tell you about this glory of God it's a consuming fire. Now, Moshe actually comes up. It must be that this context, that the kind of glory of God is a fire that consumes, must be connected to the second time immense cloud. We know that the second time immense cloud has to be a different kind of cloud. It's not the regular cloud, because otherwise you don't have to tell me that he came into the cloud. You already told me that on top of the mountain there's a cloud. You don't have to tell me again Moshe came up into a cloud. So the fact that the verse preceding it, it's not just an explanation. It's actually an introduction to tell me what kind of cloud this is that Moshe came up into. And that's why Rashi says when the verse before it, which is out of place, says that the glory of God is a fire that consumes and Moshe came up into a cloud, it's the same cloud that has fire. Now I know that it's why the second cloud, you have to say that it's a fiery kind of cloud. that's a smoky cloud. Obviously he's not going into fire. He'll burn in there. So obviously it means the smoke of the fire. But the question, one detailed question that still remains is, Rashi said it's a fire, or the verse actually said, the glory of God is a fire that consumes. Eish ochelos. Ochelos in Hebrew is from the word achila. Achila means eating something, consuming up something. I'm eating something, I consume it, right? Now there's different kinds of fires. As a matter of fact, you're going to see something interesting about different kinds of fire. There's a fire that eats up, that consumes, that burns. And then there was a fire that didn't always burn. Where did you have that? You remember with the burning bush. There was a fire, the burning, burning bush, but the bush did not burn. There was a fire that was coming from it. So here he says like this we want the verse is here to explain to you. Moshe came into the clouds what kind of clouds a smoky one that you could see the glory of God it was like a fire Rashi said uh, the verse sorry the verse says the glory of God hashem it's like a fire that consumes why because the smoke is not the smoke is not from the fire the smoke is from what the fire is eating up for example for example the fire could come out from the burning bush it didn't eat up the bush but normally a regular fire is has to be connected to something and it eats up that thing so you light a log The log gets eaten up by the fire. It consumes the log. That's the way it normally works. Now, normally a heavenly fire does not consume. It's not not a consuming fire. Like we learned, like I just said, by the burning bush. It's a heavenly fire. It doesn't actually consume anything. But that's why here the verse has to specify... I'm actually talking about a fire that's a consuming fire and it made a smoke because otherwise I wouldn't understand normally you would think that it's a heavenly fire doesn't make a smoke even because when do you have a smoke only if the fire is connected to a log. But a heavenly fire that comes down like by the burning bush doesn't eat it up. So therefore, I would think there was no smoke over here. That's why the verse tells you it was a fire that consumes to teach you that there was a smoke. And that's how Rashi comes to the conclusion that how else could you learn this verse? You must learn it that there was a smoke there. Because the verse right before said that God's glory was like a consuming fire. Now, based on all of this, we can understand now why Rashi added this novel idea that Hashem made a path for Moshe. When the cloud would be the same cloud in earlier verses, you don't have to tell me that Moshe came into the cloud. We already know that Moshe could go into a cloud, like we said in last week's Parsha. He even went into Arafel, which Rashi said that's the third level of of curtains, uh, of clouds, and it's the most thickest. We know Moshe could go into clouds. That's not a big deal. So you don't have to tell me that Moshe went into a cloud. But since, with all of a sudden, now we're realizing, one second, there's a smoky cloud here. It's made of smoke. What's the nature of smoke? Smoke is dirty. Did you ever go next to smoke? You become quite dirty and blackens you. Makes doesn't make you look so pretty. It will even make your clothes dirty, by the way, if you ever tried to be next to a bad smoke. I mean, you know, it should be only in a safe way. But if you ever were there or, or watched something of, of that, you know that people get dirty when you're in an area of smoke from fire. If so, how could it be that Moshe, who was our teacher, Moshe Rabenu, that he goes up to the mountain to be with God for 40 days to go get the tablets? He should come up into heaven in front of God with the opposite of honor? He should come up there dirty and filthy? That logically doesn't make sense. How could Moshe come up and look so disrespectful? By the way, he brings in a note in the bottom, by the way, very fascinating. He brings from Halacha that a Jew should wash their hands and face and feet every day. Interesting. This is written a long time ago, this rule. That you should wash your... But today, water is, you know, we think that it's free until you get the bill. But, you know, but it it wasn't always easy to have water. It says you should wash your face, your hands and feet every day for Hashem. And you know why? Because it says you were made in the image of God. So who are you? You're made in the image of God. You should look respectful all the time. Actually, uh, he brings down from the Shulchan Aruch that that every morning we wash our hands. You should also wash your body. It's a very good thing to keep on washing yourself. So if so, how could Moshe come up to Hashem all dirty and filthy from the smoke? Therefore, Rashi says, I must come to the conclusion that Hashem made a path for him in the smoke and he didn't actually get dirty. (laughs) You must say that he made a path because otherwise it would be disrespectful. If so, ask the Rebbe two simple questions. If you're going to tell me that Hashem made a path, he says I have two simple questions. Number one, why did Rashi say that this cloud that Moshe came into was like a smoke? You should have said it was a smoke. A fiery smoke. Why did Rashi say it's like a smoke? Isn't every word and choice of word in Rashi precise? By now we all know this already. He proved it to us many times. Here he's going to prove it to us again here. Why did Rashi say it was like smoke? And number two, if when it says Moshe came into the cloud, Rashi tells you that it means smoke and it logically makes total sense based on the verse right before that it says out of place that God's glory was like a a consuming fire, why didn't the verse just say, "And Moshe came up into a smoke"? No. What do you have? The Torah says he came up into a cloud. Rashi has to tell you what kind of cloud, a smoke? Just tell me to begin with. It's a, it's a. It's a. It's a. He came into the smoke. Why does the verse tell you a cloud uses the word cloud, and I have to figure out this whole thing that what kind of cloud? It's a smoky thing. The explanation to this is that Mount Sinai was in the Sinai Desert. The top of the mountain, where the glory of God, the, 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 the consuming fire was on the tip of the mountain, it's not a place. A mountain in a desert, any desert, especially on the mountains, there's no trees growing there. There's no grass growing there. What, what grows? What, what do you have, Not grows even. Nothing grows there. What do you have on a mountain? You have rocks and earth. Well, if so, where do you get smoke? Smoke comes when it eats up something. As we said before. Take a piece of wood or grass. You could have. How do you have smoke on a, dry, on a mountain of rocks and earth? You can't really get smoke. From a, a, a mute thing. Like stone. And earth. That's why Rashi says. Now you understand why. It was not a real smoke. It was like a smoke. It had a certain idea of smoke. It was like, it was a cloud like the kind of glory of God that was a fiery, uh, consuming kind of fire that was on the mountain. In other words... Like a fire that normally consumes vegetational or things that grow, that's it was like that, but not an exact smoke. That's why Rashi said it was like a smoke. He didn't say it is a smoke. And for this reason, since it was not a natural, real natural smoke, therefore, the verse itself calls it a cloud because it was not really smoke. If it would say smoke, then it would have to be a real physical smoke. The fact that there is no real physical material smoke on a mountain, certainly not in the desert, and certainly not at the tip of the top of the mountain, therefore we can't call it a real smoke. So Rashi says it's, it's a kind of smoke it gave the idea of a smoke. And since it was an idea of a smoke, it could be like a dirty smoke and therefore we can't make Moshe dirty when he's going to talk to Hashem and therefore it had to have been a miraculous path up there. So this is all the the literal way of learning this Rashi, beautiful way of understanding now this text. Without this, If you got to the chumash on Shabbos and you're chayenu, you wouldn't be able to fall asleep. So now it's going to be smooth when you get to this verse. But now it says the Rebbe. We all know that every time we learn a Rashi, there's also what we call the wine of Rashi, right? The wine of the Torah. What's the wine? As we spoke many times, the wine is the secrets, the depth. The deep there. In every single commentary of Rashi, it's written with Ruach HaKodesh, with divine wisdom. And therefore, there's always the mystical, hidden, juicy, beautiful stuff. The wine, the secrets are there in the here too. So he says, let's understand what's the wine, the deeper, beautiful stuff of this Rashi here. So he says like this. The idea of smoke on Mount Sinai, we already had in last week's Parsha. But there it said, in Parsha Yisro it said, that the Mount Sinai was consumed in a, in a smoke because God's fiery glory came down onto the mountain. Interesting. We actually use the word there, a smoky fire came down. But in today's parasha, it says that there was a cloud on top. Well, which one was it? Was it a smoke, as he said last week? Or was it a cloud? So he says the answer is like this. Smoke comes again, as we said, when you burn something. Now, when you burn something, it depends on the substance that you're burning. It depends on the material substance of what you're burning. When the fire is burning something material, like like a real substance that you could touch, then you get to get a nice smoke, a good smoke out of it, and therefore we have different kinds of smokes. You could have a smoke that's a thick cloud of smoke. It could be a smelly smoke, a dirty smoke. You could have a more refined smoke. You could have smoke that comes from you know just burning a tissue or burning a flower or burning a twig. Then you could have big bonfires out of from wood. You could have probably tire fires or other kinds of gas fire, all kinds of stuff. It gives up very different kinds of smokes. You have blue, blue fire, red fire, right, white, uh, black, depending on the substance that it's burning. So from this, you understand that the smoke from everything is noticeable. It, you can notice what kind of substance is coming out of it. What did it, what did it consume? It's because if you have it like this in the material world, In in other words, in the physical world, that whatever you burn, you could see the quality of what it is that you're burning. Of course, it's going to be like that in spiritual context too. Now, one second. In spirituality, that means when I burn something, I nullify something. What does that mean? What does that mean in the spiritual sense? That means I burnt out something negative, something that was in the way of, of disturbance between me and Hashem, and I made it into using it out for godliness. Take an example. You could have a phone that could be a big distraction, right? You say, "Ah, one more minute, one more minute, I'm going to go to Shul soon or say my Shema soon or whatever, right? So you could get distracted, or I could say, let me close that app, let me burn that away, and let me connect with godliness, And that's what it means that there was a revelation by by the giving of the Torah Mount Sinai. There was a heavenly fire that came down and it consumed. What did it consume? It consumed the material substances of this world and it made the world want to draw itself to godliness. That's what it means that there was a smoke. What does it mean a smoke? You think a heavily physical smoke came down on the mountain. It means that it burnt out anything that's in the way of being Devoted to Hashem. And that's the difference between the two verses. In Parsha Yisro, when it says that Mount Sinai, the Mount Sinai was, it had the smoke, it was full of smoke. It's talking about the time when we got the Torah. And it's very interesting. When we got the Torah, we were not really ready for it, even. We were 210 years stooped in idol worship and all kinds of nonsenses that we got sidetracked it to in the land of Egypt. So when we came out, we, yeah, we were preparing for 49 days, but we weren't really 100%. But Hashem said, it's time for the giving of the Torah. Even though you're not ready, Hashem said, I'm going to make the first step. I'm coming down to give it to you. Wow. That means there was a revelation from above. That means that the world was not really, really ready for it yet. Hashem on his own initiative kind of pushed his revelation down into this world. That's why it says that when he had to burn something, it was a real world that had to be burned. There was real substances that was going against its devotion to Hashem. So it wasn't a refined place. Ah, that's why last week it says there was a smoke. But in our parsha it doesn't say smoke. Our parsha, what's the use word that we use? Cloud. Why? Because after the giving of the Torah, we now had already... Started to serve Hashem. When you serve Hashem. We already started to refine the world. Therefore the world is not so thick. So the fire that it's going to make. In this world. It's a very refined. So It's like a regular cloud. Therefore when it says. In our parsha That God's glory was like a fire. It said it's like a fire that consumes. That's because it was not a real smoke. It was like a smoke. In other words it was based on the refinement of the world already became more refined. And that's why Rashi says again in Rashi reveals to us again Rashi gives us the secrets he gives us the wine of the Torah he opens our eyes to ideas that you would never ever able to be to see it by yourself and he reveals to you he says this cloud was like a smoke it was not the same smoke in last week's parsha, Today we're ready. One more parsha Into it. And serving God. Practicing mitzvahs. And so on and so forth. The idea is. Since the revelation of godliness. Was not something that just came out of above. It came through our work. That means we we affected something in the world. Now that means. That even in smoke. Where you have a little schmutz. There's dirt there. And so on. But since. Even though there's, there's dirt there. Since we worked the world every time we do a mitzvah with something physical, material from the world what does that mean? you elevated the lowest places of all the worlds and now Moshe had to go into the clouds to go get the, the tablets and bring them down here into this physical world down here it was like a smoke and it was a revelation from above but it affected also the below down here Now, what's the lesson? What's the takeaway? Very nice to learn Torah and analyze something. It's always beautiful. But if you don't have a takeaway, you missed the point. Right? You know the old, uh, the old joke? Time for a little joke. You know the joke with uh, the three people? I must have shared it once before. The three people that were traveling for Shabbos to some town. And uh, they got there very close to Shabbos. And there was a uh, uh, Irving, you there? Schloft. So they there was the the uh, they came to this town, it was Erev Shabbos. There was only one hotel in town, it was 90 floors. They came to check into the hotel, they said there's only one room available on the 90th floor. Okay, they went up before Shabbos with the elevator, and then it came to. Shabbos, they took the elevator down Arab of Shabbos. They went to the synagogue. After synagogue, they came back to the hotel. They had to look up 90 floors. It came, <laughs> it came dark in their eyes. Walk up 90 flights. So one guy said to the other two guys, he said, listen, guys, let's break this up. The first 30 floors, my friend here, you're a very good chazin. Sing songs. Before we know it, we'll be on the 30th floor. My next friend here, he says, you know how to say jokes. So from floor 31st to 60, you say jokes. Before you know it, we'll be on the 60th floor. Ah, Machaya. He said, from 61 to 90, I know how to say stories. I'll tell you stories. It's going great. They're singing and singing songs. Before you know it, they're on the 30th floor. Next guy takes over. He's telling them jokes one after the next. Time went fast. They're already on the 60th floor. Now this guy starts telling his stories, 65, 70, 75, 80, 85. When they get to the 89th floor, he looks at both of them and he says, Guys, I have to tell you a story. You're never going to forget this for the rest of your life. There was three guys that had to go up to the 90th floor. When they got to the 89th floor, they remembered that they forgot the key to their room downstairs. So the point is you got to always remember the key. So this is what he tells you here. What's the key? What's the lesson? Of all, what's the takeaway from analyzing this Rashi? Okay, we get the whole idea. It's nice to learn it. And now it all makes sense. But what's the takeaway? So he says like this. There are those people that complain and say, what has all this got to do with me? All this stuff with the cloud. The cloud's not a cloud. It means a, it means a smoke. And it's not really a smoke. It's like a smoke. Right? What has this got to do with me? He says like this you could think to yourself and say it's enough when i have to go down the human being that could that has the ability of 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 to verbalize things you're considered to be the highest but then goes one level under that is the world of animal life so you could say to yourself let me descend down to serve god from the world of animals right okay but then you could say, ah, I'll even go down to the next world of life in vegetational stuff, meach. But who says that I have to go down all the way, that I have to go all the way down to, to things that are in immu- domain, to even rocks and stones? That's so low of substance, you don't see any life in it. Why do I have to go so low to serve Hashem and make a fire for God from there? Seemingly, there's no way that a fire should be able to catch on from rocks and earth. There's no life in it. So seemingly, in other words... Spiritually, you could say to yourself, "It's very nice for me to serve God when I'm amongst other people that know how to talk, or at least when I'm next to meat, I can make a bracha and elevate the world of animals. When I'm next to vegetational stuff, I can make a bracha on it." No, okay, but I, you mean to say that every time I walk on the sidewalk, I have to think about Hashem, do something spiritual there? Like, I mean, come on! Every time I go on a holiday a trip. I should take with me my Chayenu. I should take with me Shabbos candles. I should elevate the place where I go. I mean, like, do I really need to elevate all that? And the answer is that we must affect a smoke to elevate even the lowest places that seem like there's no life there. Because if I could do that, then I'm connected to the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. Because remember, there was a smoke there, a consuming kind of smoke from a place where it seemed like it's impossible to make a smoke we thought you cannot make a smoke in a place like like the mountain in a desert where there's nothing no, no wood no trees and no and, and, and no grass and we were able to do it that means for all of us that we are all able to make a fire and make smoke make a, a, a noise make an effect even in a place that seems like there's no real life there now you could come to another complaint, says the Rebbe. You could use, you know, people that are good scholars, they find sometimes Torah sources to help them not to serve Hashem. <laughs> you can imagine that. You could say, I know the Tanya in chapter 28. Over there, the author Rebbe brings down in the Tanya, there's a principal rule that if I hang out with people that are a manuval, somebody that's a disgusting person, you may become a disgusting person too. So therefore, you may say to yourself, why should I go and elevate and serve God in a place where it doesn't seem like there's any real Yiddish guy there? There's no life there, right? It's just rocks and earth. I may become like that. I may become a lifeless kind of person. So maybe it's better for me not to get involved. Don't try to bring Yiddishkeit into a place where it doesn't seem like there's any life there. Ah, For this, he says, we have two answers. For the person that says, better not get involved in bringing Yiddishkeit to a place that it seems like it's impossible there. He says, number one, what did Hashem do for Moshe when there was smoke? He made him a path. You're worried you're going to get connected to the, to the schmutz. Nah, don't worry about that. You bring Yiddish Gate even in a place where it doesn't seem like there's any life there. And you will see that the Moshe, that's in every Jew. Every Jew has a piece of Moshe in there. Alter Rebbe speaks about this in chapter 42 in the Tanya. Every Jew has a piece of Moshe in there. Or like my father once told me, why do we say Shabbos Yismach Moshe in Davening? The you say, Yismach Moshe. Moshe was so excited. Who are you to talk about Moshe was excited? Talk about yourself. But he brings down from the Rebbe that every Jew has a piece of Moshe in you. So why are you excited about Chavez? Because the Moshe that's in you gets excited. So don't worry about it. If Hashem could make a path for the full Moshe, he could make a path for the person who has even a little Moshe in there and you're going to stay beautiful clean like going through a path as we know the rule every jew has the full faith inside you even when it does seems seems dormant number 2 if you talk a little more deeper all the revealed strengths that you have won't get dirty even from the smoke because the truth is That it really wasn't a real smoke as we said before. Rashi said it was like a smoke. So don't be so worried you're going to get connected to the smoke. Because it's only like a smoke. In other words, it's only an imaginary smoke. In other words, ah, De'Rebbe points out this beautiful, wildest paragraph I think from the whole Sicha. The world, you think that the world is a concealment on godliness. You think that the world is a disturbance between you and Hashem. We could think that what we see looks like an obstacle, but the truth is it only appears to be a smoke. It's not really a smoke. Because there can't be real smoke because there's no wood and grass for it to grasp on. So it's imaginary kind of smoke. It looks like a smoke. In other words, it looks like there's an obstacle, but if you really pay attention, the obstacles and can't there cannot be an obstacle. Blocking between you and Hashem. It's impossible. It could look like, a, like it's an obstacle. But the truth is, it's any obstacle that you see is only to give you freedom of choice. If there wouldn't be an obstacle, of course you're going to serve Hashem. What's the, what's, the, what's the question? Why do you think you can't serve Hashem? Because it looks like it's an obstacle. So the imaginary obstacle gives you now the freedom of choice to overcome it. And even more, since the concealment, unholiness is... Truth is it's a cloud and it's a holy cloud, but it looks like a smoke. It looks like something material, but really it's nothing. And it only appears like that to your eyes. But the truth is it's a holy cloud that only increases in holiness. And this is the lesson that we must go into the smoke. And meaning we must go in and receive the Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu and every single Jew, the Moshe that's inside us, received the Torah. And that was all an introduction for Moshe to come into the cloud. And this cloud is like a smoke, but there's a path there for for you. Even though that it only seems like a temporary smoke or externally, it looks like a concealment between you and Hashem. But through this, that you realize that it's fake, You'll know that you could be on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights and you can get the Torah in full completion. And after that, you could bring down this Torah, the spirit, the godliness into you, your body and into your place in this world. And that is the continuation that we're now talking. This whole piece is the end of Parsha mishpatim. What happens after mishpatim when you have all the material rules? What comes up in the next week's Parsha terumah where Hashem says, now make for me a dwelling place. Make for me a temple. And from the material substances of gold and silver, etc., we make a dwelling place for Hashem. And through this, we fulfill God's desire that He wants to have a dwelling place where? Down here on earth in this material world. So that's the concluding conclusion of this Sikha from this week. Okay.